I like how Rich's shirt says patience on it. <laughs> Yoda. Do you know what Yoda is, Rich? He's old. You know who else is old? Rich. It's his birthday. Climbing to 50. What is, this is 49, Rich. Welcome everybody to the 117th episode of the Light Shed Pat Podcast. We have the birthday boy number 49, Richard S. Greenfield. We have his older partner, Walter <laughs> Pisek. Prove it. And the young and handsome one, me, myself, Brandon Ross. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy and we, Thursday. At I Thursday. Thought you were gonna say, I thought you were going to say Harry one after that canoe shot the other day. <laughs> I, I do. Yeah. Um, I, I have no response to that. Um, I should not have reposted my wife's post. I don't know why my wife posted that post onto Instagram stories, which I think I'm the only one who still uses. Well, us boomers um, still use, right? After, um, I was shocked yesterday, and we'll get into this later, about how Mark talked about usage, engagement, all these things being up. That would be Mark Zuckerberg for our podcast listeners. It's not Zuckerberg. It's Zuckerberg. What well, you, after that reported Zuckerberg, <laughs> it's wah 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 Berg. <laughs> I think the, I think you now. Wah, I, I, wah, I like the term wah, you used the other day. You've now been metaverse. <laughs> metaverse. Um, this was just a really entertaining for three days and three hours. Of, uh, oh, of here it week. comes! You're upset that we're recording the podcast early. I know. No, I am. So on. the reason the reason upset. we are this is a Thursday. Just edition. just for the record, no matter where we are, we're a remote work organization. <laughs> all of us are able to work on our laptops anywhere, and we've Africa, all done it. Me, Italy, Cape anywhere, Cod, Cape anywhere. Cod, this, that, the other okay. thing. We, we Fucking Antarctica. Not that any of us has been there anywhere, and we all get it done either Thursday night. Friday morning or Friday afternoon after there's a lot of news. After and this, Thursday. by the way, we Rich, could have done Thursday afternoon. Well, You're I have flying. To, I'm You're flying. flying. I'm flying to a meeting. Okay, it's also our friend at another firm, Sean Diffley's bachelor party. So, um, wait, Live Nation planned their event around Diffley's birthday party <laughs> or bachelor <laughs> it's party? A, it's a that's dinner. amazing. Oh. I don't. I don't think that's exactly. Um, what happened? So we're doing this ahead of Apple, Amazon, Charter. I think it's a couple yes. others, which is unfortunate. The only two that matter. Um, Amazon, okay. Amazon matters a lot. So does Apple, and so does Charter. Given what we just saw out of Comcast, but we'll get to that later. What's our first slide, Richard S. Greenfield? Let's well, do it. The first slide is. Um, Thank God, his hair looks a little gray bit. and not. All the other colors I got texts about this. Well, week. when you look at Comcastic behind me, you can sort of see all the different colors and compare that to my hair color. So, <laughs> um, Brandon, why don't you read this slide on the economy? Since uh, is this you're the we're smartest, st we're starting with, with the you. economy. We're doing economy. I love how he just called me the smartest. Thanks, Rich. Um, Intellectually, <laughs> yeah, not like no practical knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> that was the. That was the context. Thank you for. I am not that. life smart. I my yeah. EQ is apparently low, according to my <laughs> partners. Okay, Meta CEO Zuckerberg. We seem to have entered an economic downturn. No <laughs> shit. That will have a broad impact on the digital advertising business, along with some other headwinds. Duh. I'd say that the situation seems worse than it did a quarter ago. Another duh. 
On to Google. This is from at the transcript underscore Google CFO. The quarter on quarter deceleration in both YouTube and network advertising revenues primarily reflects pullbacks in spend by some advertisers. Way to give the color. Um, we could try and figure out who those advertisers are in a minute, but there may be a hint here in the Wall Street Journal's tweet, which says Shopify is cutting roughly 1,000 workers or 10% of its global workforce, rolling back a bet on e-commerce growth the technology company made during the pandemic, comma, according to an internal memo. What's going Who wants on? to Brandon? react first? I think it's very obvious. You saw GDP numbers um, down for the second straight quarter today. So we're in recession. We're in stagflation. And I think you also have a number of different impacts that were, I mean, some of these things are actually pandemic driven because of all the extra gasoline that the Fed put on. But um, you you have a, a shift in how people are buying things, what people are buying, and a lot of that is led by the inflation of consumables and also preference changes coming out of the pandemic. That's a broad overview. Um, in other words, my guess yeah. is a lot of this downturn that the digital advertisers are seeing has a lot to do with dr and people not buying crap small businesses getting fucking destroyed that's okay that's happening. that's one thing to say Can we just it. like or simplify not it? buying crap um on social media anymore um which is why shopify is really seeing a lot of headwinds and your programmatic dr driven advertisers are taking it on the chin and then also you obviously see the big brands all getting hit um that aren't selling consumables we saw that out of walmart you saw best buys report yesterday i think their comp sales are going to be down what like 13 percent, and so on and so forth <laughs> Just to please Walt. I mean, this is a this is not our expertise, but that's a broad overview. Yeah, and I think Brandon, your use of the word "duh" several times when reading the tweets from this week, I think, are appropriate because I think last week we talked about how there wasn't any tangible evidence. In some of the early reports that we saw, but the stuff that we're seeing now, like again, it's not not obviously um, a surprise. And and the mix shift. Speaking of duh. Like Ben the, Swinburne asking Comcast saying like, oh, like how is our economic weakest if parks are good? like, no, dude, like it's literally everyone talks about this. It's the shift to how people are not paying for products and shifting to services, you know, whatever experience economy. Well, all that do, type do, of you stuff. do you have to take a shot at Morgan Stanley when I'm about to be spending a lot of time with Morgan Stanley people? Well, I think Morgan Stanley is probably <laughs> set up pretty nicely. Um, in the second quarter for our earnings scorecard, as, as our listeners may remember, Morgan Stanley was the leader in saying great quarter guys, but now it's very hard for Morgan Stanley analysts to, to, to shout out great quarter guys when companies are putting when everyone's people. missing. I'm sure Ben would have loved to set Comcast great quarter. He tried it every way possible, but even he couldn't figure out how to way to say great quarter to Comcast this quarter. Um, yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations to Morgan Underwhelming Stanley. results. <laughs> congratulations <laughs> on you. Yeah. How would we score that in the earnings scorecard if he said, how about what if, what if he said, congratulations on things not being worse? <laughs> congratulations on those 10,000 bro business broadband net ads that enabled you to magically have flat broadband net ads for the year. Oh, you're juiced up. Do we want to get it? Is, is our next slide Comcast? Are we going to get to talk? I know, Walt, this has been a big thesis for you, um, this kind of deceleration. And now even you didn't predict a decline in broadband subscribers. Um, but I, but I have to just start off, but I, but I have to interject because when Walt was just talking about um, Morgan Stanley with the great quarter, what was amazing about this Comcast print, and I'll let Walt read the slide in a second, but what was amazing about it was Brian Roberts literally start the, the beginning of the transcript 
was how fabulous the company is doing. Like they basically gave themselves a great quarter, guys, as the way to frame the conference call. Well, I think I did. I I tweeted a word count for AT&T, similar thing where AT&T had some issues, but like it's just media training of CEOs. It's it just gets frustrating at some point. Media just, training. Like how like Brian Roberts has been doing this for as long as at least all our careers. But he's existed. reading a transcript written by someone that, you know, is like, oh, we can't actually come clean. So we have to dance around and, you know, come up with all the different euphemisms for what's going on in the business. Yeah. And the tweet. The tweet from Alex Sherman's just, I mean, I don't even know if I have to read this. It just read ominous, it. Just read it. Ominous earnings from my parent from my parent company, Comcast. It's just a temporary blip uh, or a sign of things to come. Broadband gross stalls in the first quarter for the first time ever. Peacock adds no new subs, <laughs> stuck at 13 million. Video sub loss tops five hundred thousand. Can I ask a question? What is Peacock spending? For no growth in subscribers, Rich. Why don't you? And by before you do that, I would like Rich right now to reenact his famous TikTok, the Peacock um, Talk. It, it, it's it's sort of incredible that Peacock is going to lose. Peacock, cock, cock, cock. Yeah, whatever. I'm not doing oh, how he does that. My neck. I like it's, it. Uh, but, it's, but, uh, it's, but, uh, it's, uh, it's the head but, pop. But the, 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 key, the key about that is that you got to put your camera under your chins and chins. Oh, stop. You're so mean. It's my <laughs> birthday. Like, be nice. I mean, that was so uncalled for with the double chin. Like, my kids attacked me. Like, um, here's the problem. Peacock is now, first of all, when Peacock launched, the day that video was shot, that was the Peacock, like, investor day. They said they wouldn't lose a lot of money, that they had a very cost-disciplined approach to Peacock, different strategy, ad-supported, wouldn't lose lots of money, didn't want to be Netflix. And here they are a few years later. And, and, and on the revenue side, a lot of certainty around Correct. their connected TV advertising because of the relationships they had and the ability to bundle with Linear. Keep going, Rich. And now they have a $2.5 billion loss. Subscribers have stagnated usage i mean from any metric anything it's essentially a glorified video on demand service in the set top box because nobody's using peacock on roku's or fire tv devices it's basically just the new version of vod or you know sort of the tv everywhere concept but it's just not being used and so the question is is like where does this go and look it's clearly hurting netflix it's clearly hurting like there is no doubt that having this much content out there is hurting everybody. Everyone's tr spending so much money to lose money. The question is, when does it stop? When do yeah. these companies give up? Because the, the basic cable network numbers coming out of Comcast report, I mean, subs falling 10%. I mean, cord cutting is going to be at levels we have never, ever seen, Brandon, ever. And it's happening. I mean, this is obvious from what you just said. Before a neat, seamless transition to over the top is occurring for this company. So now you have this asset, and we'll get into the broadband issues because Walt is the expert well, there. Well, you're now you have this NBCU asset right now that has, I wouldn't call it a melting ice cube anymore on subscribers. It's uh, someone put a blowtorch on that, on that iceberg. Right. Global warming is yes. setting. Yeah, is, that's a great setting, example. Is setting in and you're stuck at 14 million subs on your over the top strategy and you're spending to lose and it's not working. What do you do? And does this pretend M&A, Rich? I think there's one movie that comes to mind. I don't know if it was a universal movie. I think it actually was. But the line is Houston, we have a problem. Right. Like that is the problem here. They need to stop. They literally need to stop. Okay. Peacock. But if they stop, I mean, this is the catch Just 22. Stop. Kill it. Just put a bullet in it tomorrow. Buy Hulu from Disney. Put, put a bullet in Peacock. Okay. Buy Hulu tomorrow. Disney wants to sell it and then figure out how you spin off That's NBC Universal and do something. But there's no synergy. It's not helping the broader Comcast. I don't get it. I literally don't understand. There's no chance that the Comcast sees their video business falling apart and they want to own a video centric company. 
it literally makes no sense. I mean, and there there's different M&A that they can, they can d- potentially do to kind of stoke the fires. We'll get into that. But Walt, why don't but, you? Well, no, no, let's let's see this up properly. Okay. Walt, the Comcastic part of this was the broadband piece yeah, because that's... there's a so-called temporary issue that I'd like to hear more about. Well, as our podcast listeners know, exactly. the the cable companies love to talk about their record low churn, a metric that's not reported. Um, once again, apparently churn is not getting impacted by wireless, even when your residential subscriber base declines, um, which it did by 10,000. They did finally reference that wireless is having some impact, but it's, they think it's going to be temporary. In fact, they said it's not even impacting churn. It's just impacting gross additions and not churn. I think, Rich, the bigger issue here is if, first of all, fiber is certainly a problem um, in terms of fiber co- competition. But but the wireless thing, I think, is this, which for years, cable companies and the investors that have loved them have pointed to this ARPU increase, 4 or 5% a year. And part of that was getting people to higher rate plans and then eliminating the low rate plans. So you've got these price-sensitive customers that have no option to, to go down to. So all of a sudden, wireless appears. And they say, okay, I can save money by going to wireless and it might not be as great. And I've got an option in the market. And what's fascinating to me is that if you looked at Verizon Fios net ads quarter, which was also kind of weak, and you talk to them, Fios, fiber customers were lost to wireless. Why? And it's not obviously their own Verizon customers, it's to T-Mobile because it's cheaper and there's lower rate plans. So if the answer is ultimately for the cable companies Rich, to stop talk. that decline, to uh, to pro- create a new lower rate plan, all that's going to do is create a headwind for that ARPU growth that even on today's call at Comcast, they were leaning on for saying this is what's going to de- de- what is going to deliver growth. So here's what I don't understand. A few quarters ago, they were in denial of competition and you were directly calling out these companies and calling bullshit. Now they're admitting competition, but they're saying, oh, it's competition, but it's only for gross ads. It's not churn. Nobody's leaving to go to these services. We're just not capturing our gross ads. I mean, that sounds like BS too. Well, I mean, so T-Mobile specifically said that more than half of their 560,000 net additions came from cable. So by definition, <laughs> that's, that's churn. Churn. it's called share shift. Yeah. Yeah. So I know, but okay. So, but how do they come out and say that on a conference call? If somebody else is saying they're taking, I mean, it just doesn't make it just BS. It's just crazy. Well, we'll just he just loses that... respect with investors. Right. So now they're going to lean on, I'm sure, again, the ARPU growth. So that's, let's get beyond the sub growth because that, that was effectively yesterday's story. The next shoe to drop is how sustainable is three to 4% ARPU growth. Especially, I mean, you could keep raising um costs like raising ARPU when there's no competition. Correct. When you're in a monopolistic situation or even oligopolistic in the case of overbuilt markets. But now you have wide open competition with 5G um, home broadband. I mean, does it go the other way? Does this become a price for I mean, you're already seeing that to a certain extent. Obviously, customers are moving to wireless for price, but fiber, like how are you going to increase price if fiber is coming in there and taking your customers? So, I mean, like we said this in a report from a month ago, like, you know, basically cables turning into telco. I mean, I'm not sure which one outgrows or out doesn't grow each other within the next couple of years. Do you know what, you know, who's the happiest person right now? Who's that? Tom Wheeler. You know why? Why why is that? Because there's competition, competition, <laughs> competition. Uh, Next. But slide. it gets back to your prior question, Rich, when you're saying like you know, what do they do uh MA wise? I'm sure you were thinking in the media world, but if there's competition, 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 then there's other MA options that may kind of bubble to the surface as these companies go X growth or at least well, and so growth. and one of them was the breaking story from earlier in the week of Yanko Rogers. I probably, I probably never say that right. I apologize. But Scoop, Comcast, Eyes, Vizio, and others for smart TV acquisition. And you know, we had said that Vizio was going to get bought by Roku. That was one of Lightshed's 22 for 22. Um, you know, Comcast doing it, obviously, you know, they just did this JV with Charter. 
and actually just closed a few weeks ago where they're doing this TV OS JV. It's a little, I, I guess the idea is, hey, we need to go buy TV manufacturers so that we can put this software out there because the software isn't going to, we're so far behind in the software business. We waited a decade yeah. to get into the TV OS well, business. And you don't have the partners. The partners are generally locked with with other TVOS providers. So in, instead, you have to go and buy the manufacturer. By the way, the reason okay, Roku isn't doing it is because they're going to just build their own fucking TV for but, better but, or but worse. Let me just stop you for a second. If yeah. you're Comcast and you have to go out and buy TVs and you have the best software and Charter has nothing, like Ch Charter literally has the worst OS software around. Like it's just garbage. You, yeah, but they just did the JV. So, listen to me. So why are you doing a JV? Why doesn't Comcast buy a TV manufacturer, push this TVOS, and just crush Charter nationally? Why do they need to be friends with Charter? Yeah, but, just whoa, crush whoa. Them. What do you mean by crush why do you need them Charter? nationally? Uh, slow down. I have a national TVOS. Okay, yeah, national, national TVOS. Does, does, does owning the broadband pipe matter for getting distribution? of your television are there ways that you can um merchandise the tvs through the broadband or video relationship that you have with your customers why do you buy a tv that on, when you walk on, into best buy cheapest wins okay but, but to brown's now, point is there a subsidization opportunity that occurs in this i mean we went back to amazon day and they were subsidizing their televisions but and to Brandon's point, there are I would say there's probably a third of cable customers are never going to leave because they're just like stuck to the set top box and the thing. So if you're going to transition, that's that's a big chunk of charters customers that you'd want access to as a partner as opposed to just trying to steal them somehow. But I don't know. So um, we've got Meta. Uh, reported as well. Uh, Meta saw a 30% increase in times people spent watching reels across Facebook and Instagram. Zuckerberg said on the call, this is Todd Spangler. And he claimed reels is on a $1 billion annual revenue run rate. That's about a 3% number, I think, Brandon, if you look at uh, Meta's total revenue. So, you know, it's yes. there. It's just relatively small. But then the, the real interesting parts of this were sort of the back and forth that happened this week. No, because you had it's not 30%, Rich. 30% billion increase. at oh one thing only is three percent. I said it's three percent of revenue. No, it's not. They said they're on a billion dollar annual revenue run rate. Meta does right, which is three percent. What isn't that three percent of over Meta's... 100, they overdo over a hundred billion in revenue? How is that possible? Um uh... I think they according to Mark Kelly. They do 130. So what is that? Am I missing something? 0.3%? You're right. 0.3%. Yeah, 0.3%. I was like, what? I mean, just the Sorry. I. Had... <laughs> Sorry. Yes. It wasn't 0. even 3%. Does it really matter if it's three or four? It's de minimis. Sorry. Brandon's right. He was proper to correct me. I, I moved my decimal in my head and I screwed it up. Yes, you're right. That underscores the point, though. Yes, it's very small. Yeah. We all, we, yeah. Well, Thank you, Mark. Keep going. But um, what's interesting this week is there's been a lot of noise about reels because you're probably, if you use Instagram, um, which old people like us do, you're seeing a lot more reels. And Kylie Jenner and, and Kim Kardashian told Instagram to stop trying to be TikTok, which could spell major trouble for the platform, which I don't really believe. But then it led to the head of Instagram having to go out and film a video posted on Instagram explaining what's going on and saying the platform is shifting to video. That's what they think people want. That's where they see people engaging. And so they're going to do more of that. And says we're going to have to lean into that shift while continuing to support photos. The interesting thing, Brandon, is I asked on the follow-up call, I asked Dave Wayne. That's, the, by the way, that's CFO, been a theme for a long time, right? This, this shift to video on the, on the platform. Sure. Right. But I asked Dave Wayner, this the outgoing CFO, and Susan Lee's taking over uh, next quarter. But we asked Dave Wayner what his comment, because Mark was all about engagement. You mentioned it in the intro to this whole uh, podcast, Brandon, talking about engagement increasing. And we said, what does that mean? Does that mean time spent was up? He said, we were purely talking about DAUs. They're not talking about time spent. So not the question, hours, right. Not minutes spent. 
So video is certainly capturing a larger well, percentage of time Rich, spent on the this, platform. This is what led me to believe that time spent overall may have been up. In, the impression growth was like 15%, right? So are they just jamming? And I wasn't on the post call. Are they just jamming more ads per? Um, or is it that they're actually time spent is up? Well, I would like to provide my anecdotal evidence on this as yes. an early adopter of TikTok. <laughs> You, you uh, are our expert, resident expert. Hats off to Metaverse Facebook because Metaverse Reels, now. Re, oh, what's it called again? Just what meta. are they called? Oh, Meta, whatever. Meta. Hats off, I'm going to just keep calling it Facebook. Yeah. Hats off to it's the fine. gram um, for making Reels much better. And in my own usage, like before you would hit Reels and it would be like repackaged TikTok. When you hit a Reels in the Insta, it actually sucks you in in the same way that TikTok did. So I think they've significantly improved that. So in my view, it's the fact that they're taking that Instagram user and I'm ending up flipping through some reels being like, wait a minute, wait a minute, where am I again? And yeah, I get lost. They in put it. they put you in, in that so separate I, kind of feed. Right. So in my, yeah. and where before, if I was streaming through TikTok, I would get some random bullshit. I'm like, this is terrible. Like I'm going to get off this because I don't, I didn't like the way it was. But now with Reels, I'm staying in that ecosystem longer. So okay. in my view, it's this exactly is exactly actual- what they did, by the way, when they launched video on uh, Facebook. Right, Rich? Remember that? They stuck it inside. They, that, and then they like you got they once you hit one, they got you like looped in and just kept showing, 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 showing. But this is really important to Walt's point, because I think yeah. I, I've heard the story this week to explain what he's seeing. When you're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, the feed you see there where you see reels in the feed, the algorithm, even though you're starting to see some stuff you don't follow, the algorithm team there is 100% separate. Once you click that reels and it pops up that new full screen world, it's a separate team, separate algorithm, completely distinct. Rich, I don't care about how the sausage is made. Haven't I said this before? I could give a shit what team is doing. All I'm telling you is that I'm living in the Zook world for a little bit longer than I used to because Reels has gotten better. So congrats to the team. Um, the one, the other thing that kept coming up, and this is very related, I felt like every other word on that call yesterday was AI, 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 <sighs> AI, right? But it is, it is that secret sauce at TikTok is in addition to the format, that recommendation sure. engine that we're talking about now that gives you, you know, the things you're interested in on your interest graph and entertainment graph. Well, it's, it's just definitely better. So, and I guess as well, Ben Thompson would argue is that maybe the, maybe their AI might not be the best in terms of feeding me stuff. That's going to keep me there for an hour yet, yeah. yet but it's getting there quickly but that they offer monetization better than perhaps what TikTok has been able to at, achieve at thus this, far. At this point, definitely. I mean, their ad infrastructure. So where if you're a content person and you're developing and they give you more tools and they can monetize you better, then theoretically people want to make money and that's where they're going to go. I mean, that has been you know the argument for other products that they copycatted. Um, some, like in the case of stories, um, it worked uh others it it didn't mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean creators want to make fucking money and especially in this att this post att world they are you know despite their own challenges ahead of everybody else and what might happen in a post biden world well spe- well i mean i think what's also ties into that is you know they're sort of in this difficult position where normally a company that sort of is facing threat from a major competitor in TikTok, slowing growth, economic headwinds, product sort of having being forced to sort of copycat. Normally they go out and buy something to make this big transition. Especially when you're building a brand new company, essentially within your company. Go on. So, so, but let's listen to, so, so, Dave Weiner was asked well, well set it up. Let's read this New York so, Times. No, I think it's better to, to, to listen to him first because he's talking about MA. So let's just hear what he has to say. Who is this? In terms of, uh, you know, CFO M&A, of there's, um, you know, uh, the MA is, a, is, is definitely a component of our strategy. 
um, and uh, we'll continue to, uh, you know, we'll continue to look at um, acquisitions uh, going forward. Uh, Yet, this is the New York Times, the FTC on Wednesday filed to block Meta, formerly known as Facebook, from buying a virtual reality company called Within. We actually met them years ago on our one of our West Coast Chris investor no. trips, where it was called Verse, I think, or something like that, um, limiting the company's push into the so-called metaverse and signaling a shift in how the agency is approaching tech deals. Remember, this was a $500 million acquisition. Uh, Giphy was what, $300 million overseas, Brandon? That was yeah, that was overseas. Regulators. This is obviously the US, and now you have Lena Khan, you know. Right. Thank at, you. At the File to block. Okay, exactly. it doesn't mean it's going to block. So I don't see, I don't see how you say. It. And yet, with the CFO, maybe the CFO believes he can do this deal because he's dealing with Lena Khan, who's going to file to do this. And maybe, or maybe she, she might not be successful. I'll take the opposite side of that. And then, how long is she going to be in that position? You're a hundred percent right. But I'll just take the other side of this: is they're under a lot of pressure to move quickly into this new building, this new world. Waiting eighteen months. I don't know. Waiting. It seems like they're they're kind of slowing that down right now as they hunker down on protecting the core business in recession, right? Hence the hiring slowing. But in order to build out this very ambitious project, they're going to have to do M and A to get some of the components that they don't have, that especially ones that others have, and. By others, I mean other competitors in the space, such as Epic and Epic, Epic, and Roblox, Microsoft, Amazon, etc. So and so on and so forth, and so on and so forth. It's going to be challenging. Bring up the other tweet there, Rich. Um, the other tweet here um, is sorry, a little slow today. Um, your birthday, on raising the price. Raising the price. You want to talk about that? MetaQuest, in order to continue investing in moving the VR industry forward for the long term, we're adjusting the price of MetaQuest 2 headsets to $399 and $499 starting on eight one twenty two. Inflation or making money, trying to make money? No, I mean the, the interesting thing about that, if if you know the with that being a price increase, I actually don't know what the price was before. So I think I'm it was $100 it's, cheaper. It's there because it's a price increase. The whole thing is getting the flywheel going in VR, which is means getting as many headsets into homes such that you incentivize creators and developers and game studios to create products for those headsets and it takes off. So now you're making it harder for people to afford your headset. I mean, the other, the other side of that argument is it's a sales technique. Hey, if you don't, if you don't buy now, the price is going up on eight one. And I think anecdotally, there was some Maybe. increased purchase volume to clean some inventory, but we should, we should try that ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Next slide. Well, the next slide, I want to tee it up because I am very proud of our partner, Brandon Ross, for getting a massive tweet this week with probably one of the best photos I've ever seen him take. No, I'm a very good photographer. And we're up to 1,885 retweets on this tweet with this picture. No, way more than that. What? Well, I'm showing 1,885 retweets and 16,000 likes. They might have. Um, they might have um, eliminated some of the bots. They must have. Know. They must have because I'm showing Rich <laughs> on that. <laughs> I'm just I'm telling you, two thousand one hundred and forty nine retweets and sixteen point seven thousand likes. Anyway, the picture itself is of Paul Triple H. Um, Maybe this is why Elon over, thinks the data is not reliable. Yeah, yeah, I guess over. <laughs> overlooking re- the rehearsal for raw on monday night at msg and we were there meeting with wwe management before that kind of got a little backstage tour got to see some of this rehearsal um but i'm going to read um well first of all forget i'm not even going to read this yet let's go to the setup 
after our podcast because news always breaks on Fridays after our podcast. And this week we're oh, short so, of that happening since we have five companies reporting after this yeah, podcast. Yeah, so. exactly. But, but, but it's Rich. sort of protection for me. It happens whether we do it on Friday afternoon or not. It doesn't okay. matter. You guys are such bullshit artists. <laughs> okay. Um, Vince McMahon decided to retire in the wake of all that's going on um, with with Vince and his payoffs. And Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan took over as co-CEOs. And then uh, uh, Paul took over. Eventually, it was announced on Monday as head of creative. So this is a major watershed event in the world of wrestling it has been vince's company for you know since the beginning of time um he built the wrestling industry as we know it and now there's a lot of questions over what happens going forward um and the ultimate question in investors mind is does this thing get sold or not get sold and we've and talked about my belief after meeting with this team on Monday is that they do not want to sell. I think that Paul and Steph are extremely energized to make changes within the organization and Frank, the CFO, to make changes within the organization, both on the creative side, which it's been <clears throat> acknowledged or not acknowledged, but you know, it's talked about for a long time among fans has gotten very stale over time and needed some modernization. Um, so do you believe and, that's the right decision? And, do you have faith in this management team, this new management team to take them into the next era of wrestling? Yeah, I think that if WWE <laughs> is going to go into the next era of wrestling, you do need some continuity in who the leadership is in the business because it is... I don't think people appreciate, but the the ability to write, you know, five hours of programming and execute a week and execute it live um, is a very difficult uh, task. And you need people who have been doing it for a long time and leadership that's been around that to um, to execute on that. And you need management, a team that's energized. And it really seemed like they were energized to want to do this. I'm actually going to go and say my belief now is that this company isn't for sale and that this story around M&A is, is going to take a backseat to an operational story here, which is driven by changes in creative to, to continue to reinvigorate um engagement with the product number one and number two even on the cost side like their cost structure has been bloated under vince um for a long time um i think that there's ways to take dollars out of the business without sacrificing the quality of the product i think that's an opportunity and let's give this team some time to see i mean stephanie's been training for this for many many years to take over Does she do crossfit for her training for this role <laughs> so Brandon, so it, what you described is a concept of why would we sell now when we can we can build tremendous value over some period of time and sell at a much higher price, as opposed to I don't know because you're missing. Let me give you one, door number two. Let me give you. But there isn't two. a number two because this isn't a dollars and cents thing necessarily. If you go back and think about, here's a good analogy: Sumner Redstone and Cherry Redstone. Sumner built um Viacom and it was his legacy that Sherry well, that was my door number two that you oh, just didn't was? let me finish oh sorry okay I, my door number two was all right okay give me door number two door number two that these people just love what they're doing and this is just what they want to do so there's really no sale plan after an improvement years yeah I think that like can I just can this I just team has oh, been finish, groomed Rich for a long time to do this it's something that they badly want to do and i think that they are going to make changes that potentially you know reinvigorate the business you're, you're calling it a legacy play. but it is a legacy media play, media stocks media stocks are content companies Yes. They're going to live or die especially this Netflix one is suffering. which tried no, to do the distribution Netflix is suffering thing because all of these companies content 
It's, it's, it's literally that simple. The content needs to be great. There was a run several years ago where, you know, WWE content was really kicking ass. The, you know, like they really were doing well. Now they're not. The opportunity here is can they reinvigorate the content, make people want to watch, make it feel special. If, if they can't, it's stupid not to sell now. If they can do it, they're going to make a lot of money. It's but sort of that. Simple. Again, but Walt's point and the point that I was making is part of it is the money and unlocking the most dollars. And and part of it is the legacy and keeping this in the family. And, and the challenge with that, Brandon, is and I've seen this in other companies yep. that when you, you, investors don't necessarily want to hear that you don't have a price, meaning that like if this is like some legacy play. And I'm like, I'm just thinking of like TDS. I get it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think investors need to re my opinion. And I could be wrong. It wouldn't be the first time is that re investors should readjust their expectations okay. and not think of this as an event play that th this is going to get sold. Because what I saw on Monday night was a team that really wants to do this. Not one that was necessarily looking to sell i could right. be wrong now no, that's that's a big difference right <laughs> i mean yeah could could there be so what so what does this mean for where the there's stock? a go private so what does this mean for the stock though in terms of well people that I, are in it for that and if others yeah. come to the same realization that you do do you want to be in this stock <laughs> i think the it is there is some real m a premium in the stock now i think that's going to have to come out but you're also going to see potential unlock in other areas on the operational side, which should bring numbers higher over the next couple of years, which should actually um, make up for mm -hmm. the, the fact that you're taking the M&A premium out. And, um, and we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that some longer term fundamental investors wouldn't want to dick around with something that's an event play. But now if they see in a rough market where there's not a lot of places to hide somewhere where they think someone, they trust the management team making operational changes, that flow of funds in much be Mike much might be much greater than the event guys that might be leaving. Well, by the way, I'm going to get, I'm going to throw a wrinkle here into oh this whole thing. The wrinkle is what if this is, and this would be premium to investors, a go private situation, which would also allow Vince to potentially come back in some capacity if that's something that that he that he wanted, you know, and to like to help guide the succession plan. And then you have premium on the okay, go my private. brain is starting to hurt on this. But well, okay. well, but then that, that's you have to look at the rate environment, obviously, in terms of yes. whether that's fundable but, and but this is a business that generates sure. a lot of uh, free cash flow, basically has no net leverage whatsoever, um, has uh, most of their revenue is contracted, so it can support um, leverage. Now, mm -hmm. Vince has always been kind of afraid of leverage, you know, which is a counter to it. But I, I wouldn't rule out a go private. And if there is M&A, no, like getting the feeling that the family does want to be continue to be involved i continue to say endeavor makes a lot of sense if the financing could be done and doing a similar situation to ufc where they own say 51 percent of it the family you know um has their ownership has their ownership stake and they allow the family to run it um not fully autonomously but you know somewhat autonomously and then help out with other things along the way, such as sponsorship, um, you know, helping to cut the licensing deals and leveraging the broader um, infrastructure of Endeavor. Can we shift gears a little bit? Well, yes, Joe or Joe. Oh my Joe, God. Jesus Christ. Yes, Rich. Mike Dano, friend of the pod. New Iridium, a satellite operator based in Virginia with, yes, a $5 billion market cap, Brandon, so it's not a nothing company, announced <laughs> that it entered into a development agreement to enable Iridium's technology and smartphones. The only reason we're bringing this up is 
you know, a year ago, maybe it was two, everyone got all hyped up about the next iPhone having satellite connectivity. So when you roamed out into these other areas where you have no coverage, you can send text messages. There's been a lot. Of, it never happened, by the way, um, in that phone. I don't think it's going to necessarily happen in this phone, but this this is another use for Leo and one of the companies, Iridium, that can, again, when you're, we all have areas, you know, people were like trolling them like, oh, you know, terrestrial coverage everywhere. Like I can, there's a soccer field in Bedford that has no coverage. And if I could send tech mess- text messages from there for a penny or a nickel or a dime, there's certainly value to that. Um, so yes, technology helping us connect better. We'll see who they were very secretive about who they're going to sign a deal with, but you can imagine if you're like, who, do you Apple, th- who, who would you, think? I don't know, I mean, maybe you, Samsung. No, no I think, I don't think, I think Apple might have some other things going on, but, um, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, you know, and it has implications for other companies out there that are trying to build this overall connectivity. So, but some of our consumer problems are going to get solved. Yes. Technology, the long Reach Techn- for technology. In the words technology. of technology, technology. What's is amazing though is like we were debating putting this slide on, and Brandon appropriately said, "Yeah, boring. Who gives a fuck?" And you Even know, it's though funny. I'm the most boring of all of us, whatever. No, that what's what's fascinating is people thought that that satellite thing was a reason people would, which didn't appear on the iPhone, would upgrade their phone. So I guess you know it just shows how. It's the minor things that are effectively getting layered into to phones today to try and get people to upgrade. Um, we've got a John Oran, uh, friend of the shed, uh, Sports Business Journal, Scoop. Google put in a bid for NFL Sunday ticket rights. Apple's considered the front runner. Um, obviously, nothing new. We've been saying Apple across our podcast. Well, maybe that's why he said that in his tweet. That's why he said it, Apple's the front runner because he's just. I, I, I get it. But the the news that I think is interesting is that Google bid, because if you remember, I don't know if our podcast listeners do remember, but back in the old DirecTV deal, it's probably now seven or eight, it's probably seven plus years ago, the winning bid, or sorry, the highest bid was Google. So Google outbid DirecTV. DirecTV was an AAV of one and a half billion um, over the length of the contract. Google was well above that. The NFL chose not to give it to Google because they didn't believe it was the right premium place to be involved with, you know, Google YouTube at that point. So it's just interesting that Google's back again bidding. It certainly sounds like Apple's winning and outbidding even Google, but it's just interesting how I think Google wasn't seen as a premium content destination, whereas Apple TV Plus is certainly seen as a premium content destination. Now it sort of oozes yeah. premium, oozes. feels like HBO. It does. It oozes like oozes. This is quality content. Can I ask a question? Of course. We may not answer it. it. You can was Go- was Google doing this for YouTube TV? It doesn't say. It doesn't say, right? Well, we don't. But, I mean, but that's it. Like all of the you know, marketing and everything that their whole sports strategy has been YouTube TV, right? I would imagine it might be one price if you buy it direct from YouTube and another price if you buy it as an add-on. That would make sense. Like there's a benefit. Would the NFL NFL allow um, Google to do the former? Meaning that like, or I'm sorry, maybe maybe there was an option. Essentially, you'd have to have the bundle in order to get it. Right. But I, I thought that they were does against make, doing that. I don't know though, Whoa. because it, in order it. to get the games themselves, like all the other games, you need the bundle. You're not you're not you're not paying for Apple TV. There's no there's no multi-channel bundle if Apple wins. I mean, maybe you have to be an Apple TV plus subscriber, I would assume, and then you pay a $350 premium on top of your five dollar a month bill. But you're not buying no, no, uh, that's but that's package. my question. I thought the NFL would not want that to be the case. They would not want it tied into a separate another product. Yeah. yeah. So that so that shoots down that could theory be. that I had. But like Rich said, it could be, you know, one price if you buy it in the Google Play Store, sure. like straight Discount up, yeah. and a significantly discounted price if you buy it as part of YouTube TV. And it could be a way to grab share of the dying. Um, multi-channel video. Uh, the honest answer is the honest point I'm trying to make is that I'm just surprised Google's bidding because they sort of shown no appetite in sports rights. They sort of pulled and abandoned all of their efforts, just like Meta, Facebook have abandoned all of their efforts 
over the last couple of years. So just interesting data point that is Google, now that they're seeing Amazon and Apple, I wonder whether Google is reassessing whether they made a mistake abandoning sports rights. That's something we should think about moving into 23. Like, is this a signal of them getting more involved? As also there are some sports rights available, you know, still Big Ten isn't worked out. NBA is coming up in a couple of years. Like, yes, a NBA, stuff. WWE, correct, etc. Brandon, you want to read this? Other, this we got another SBJ. Okay, this is uh, FanDuel is aiming to rebrand its TVG Racing Channel to FanDuel TV and plans to launch the first quote watch and wager TV network in September. Potential programs are set to feature Kay Adams, Pat McAfee, and Bill Simmons. Pretty good lineup right there. Um, Thoughts, Rich. Well, Walt doesn't seem to give a shit. <laughs> no, like, I, I, I think this makes a ton of sense. We oh, talked about this at, at the dinner series uh, with DraftKings. And I mean, this it makes sense to add right? content. Like it, yeah, 100% yes, exactly. makes sense. And with people you know, the, the funny part of this, and the reason I'm laughing, is that, you know, remember, the whole Fubo TV pitch of getting into sports betting was how they were going to combine the MVP, you know, the virtual MVPD with a betting app that no one used. Now you have people like Bill Simmons and Pat McAfee, who everybody knows you're putting it on a cable network on the cable system or, you know, on cable systems that everyone gets and you're enabling it with an app that everyone already uses in FanDuel. And it just shows you that like how ridiculous and absurd the strategy of getting into sports betting was for Fubo with a very, very little number of subscribers. And yes, Brandon, you were right. I should have left the sell on. I never should have pulled it off. I shouldn't have taken the victory you lap of stocks at two bucks and going to zero. I just thought we'd never talk about Fubo again, but. Oh, no, we had to today. Today, this was too good not to talk about Fubo. Fubo has um, creeped its way I needed to give back you props. into our podcast. It's Next. Um, well, I want to start with uh, Spotify reported, but I just wanted there was a quote from Daniel Eck that I want to play first and then sort of relate the other tweet on the screen to it. So we're going to listen to Daniel Eck. First. The general recipe is uh, the team has been very much focused um, for the past year in growing users. I'm very, very proud uh, of their work, and I'm very, very pleased with the results we're seeing of that effort, as you can see about the reacceleration of MEUs. At our scale, to reaccelerate MEUs, it's very, very difficult to do, and it's not very many platforms that do that. Um, we're doing that right now, and we're very, very positive over the impact that that will have for the remainder of the year, as you can see. And, and the reason that's interesting is obviously growing MEUs is a great lead indicator of what's going to happen to premium subscribers as well as to advertising. Obviously, recession aside for a moment, but just as you build that base of MEUs, but the reason I wanted this in here is that at the same time, Amanda Pirelli has a story in, I think this is Insider, ByteDance files to trademark a TikTok music streaming app. The service would allow you to purchase, play, share, and download music. And this essentially ties into what, you know, I mean, they've got, there, there are, there has been TikTok music in India and a few markets overseas, but they have never really expanded. It was a big sort of hope. I remember, Brandon, when we were... We were starting up Lightshed. I remember we sat down with Sony Music, I think, and they were hoping that TikTok would be a big event, you know, a big new entrant in 2020, and then it never happened. Walt's been talking about how sort of you got to keep reinventing yourself where you sort of start to get eaten. I wonder whether this is, you know, is this the TikTok next place to try to become a music service? I mean, it, it seems a little strange to sort of move from short form video to, you know, becoming a music app. That's why like, I, I, I feel, to yeah, me. it's going to be something... <laughs> Like we saw in other parts of the world, it's going to be something that's more hybrid than that. I don't think it's going to be your sort of, you know, run of the mill uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, music streaming service like like all the others that exist that aren't that differentiated from each other. Right. Correct. I think, yep. I think they're going to take a, a very different approach and let's see what that approach is. Right. Which means that it doesn't necessarily take subs away from Spotify or Apple music or whatever. Exactly. Can I just say one thing? Daniel yes. Eck with a tan looks much better. I don't know what's going on there. Can you bring that I, picture for our podcast? Old, that's, a, 
Oh, that's, that's an, an old picture. pick. It's an old pick. I don't think that. I don't. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Mark would know. He grabbed I it. I don't know. That. But I think that's from an it's, investor. It's, is that a filtered ago. pick? It might. It might just be pick? the lighting. This is the time of year in Sweden where the but sun doesn't is, go down. But, but I would say Daniel <laughs> is diet and buff like Ari. Like he is in ridiculous. Oh my god! Shape. Now we're he's a lot real, younger. We're than really Ari. man crushing a lot on this podcast. Well, lately. he still doesn't look as good as Ari. But I'm just saying that the tan he wears well. Oh, we're going to hear from Mario after this. Uh, okay, CNBC. Oh, well, Amazon, yes, Amazon hikes prime membership prices up to 43% in Europe as inflation bites. So, I mean, we just wanted to come back to this to, to show that, to point out the kind of the obvious thesis of Amazon adding different services and then increasing. You can call it inflation, whatever, but this is, you know, kind of the thematic of prime. And I guess the question then, Brandon, is like, what other things do you think Amazon will be adding into this prime grouping? We know we talked, I think, last week or the week before about Grubhub, but like, what other stuff can they add to justify further price increases? Well, I don't know specifically um, where the pricing was in Europe and if they were behind kind of the United States, which has had um, some real price hikes. Um, and also I think the bundle itself may be different in Europe than it is in the United States. So the fact that they added Grubhub here, I don't know if there's an equivalency or other things they're looking to add in other markets. Um, from a content perspective, we know that um there's there's different content in different markets, particularly in sports. And Europe is one place that Amazon has really been leaning in hard on acquiring soccer or football, as you would say, rights. So in order to pay for those expensive rights, potentially that is also uh, involved in the 43% price hike. It'll just be interesting. Obviously, they're just building everything around. Prime is the brand for this. It has been for a very long time. I think that the debate has been what else can they put in prime and every time amazon looked to make a deal an acquisition it was always like how is that going to drive prime how is that going to drive prime and that continues to be the centerpiece and the elasticity of prime it has changed as they've added more and more things and it's way beyond shipping which was the original you love elasticity that's one of your favorite words you love that word elasticity we are analysts Uh, yeah i mean you know it's just an (laughs) econ 101 sort of concept right Uh, in other other words that i like are supply and are supply and demand (laughs) (laughs) profit margin (laughs) organic okay next slide um percentages which we can calculate well all right rich i'll read this up on rich on his birthday this is a complicated one so go ahead well but it's a concerning apple this is the warning Apple shows you if you try to go to Netflix's website from the app to pay for a subscription. Apple doesn't get a 30% cut of those transactions and so makes see it seem scary to pay for Netflix on their website. Same same self-serving trick they played for ads via ATT. So what, what they're showing on the screen here is about it's these typical warning screens you get on your iPhone. You're about to leave the app and get an external website. It's like, you know, be scared. Your phone's going to get, you know, viruses if you actually leave the Apple ecosystem. It's trying to take advantage, I think, of, of the reputation for privacy and safety that Apple has successfully built over the past. Yeah. And the, the, the funny 20, thing 20, is, 15 is it, years. It, it's one thing to do it for some random. I mean, I know they do it across the board, so they're not picking favorites, but it's just funny when you do it with one of the most well-known apps in the world versus with you know some random gaming company that you've never heard of that probably won't be around tomorrow but i get why they do it it's just it comes off as pretty funny when you know you have 200 million subscribers paying around the world and you know it's not like you're hearing about credit card fraud or whatever at at netflix because of that so but it definitely shows you the power of words right like with att what they're talking about is they made it sound like apple basically asks to track you with very different messaging than what they message for tracking 
in other apps. And they make the off the non-Apple apps to make them sound very scary in terms of what that tracking looks like. And so I just think it's continuing again to your point, it's making Apple seem like the privacy savior or privacy protector, but there's clearly meaningful incremental benefits to Apple by the way they're messaging. I mean, they're smart. It's just... Let me let me throw a couple numbers at you guys. So I'm going to call my own little audible here. Ooh, Apple, I, like Apple, I don't know what's coming. Apple has over 1.8 billion active devices. They have approximately 825 million subscriptions as of last quarter. They they have added roughly anywhere from 35 to 45 million, but they're typically in a run rate of adding 40 million new subscription subscribers. They call it, but you know, there's no discrete counting there. Will that moderate this mm-hmm. this quarter? Um, mm-hmm. How many new the num- devices? The number have we're they added? How many new devices vote? have they added in the in the last year? I mean, it's just it, devices. Is it dev- a, is it about the amount of devices, or is it about I mean, they, they the, indiv- a, the individuals themselves, unique they, individuals that own they, devices? They, they add about. 380 million devices that's phones pads macs but all these things have subscriptions within them they're all you know look i think it's getting really hard not to have an apple tv plus subscription like the content is high profile enough but netflix and everything else have struggled with subscriptions so if the trend is you're starting you're saying it's hard hold on what content is it happened during this quarter that someone would be adding as a subscriber to apple tv plus no, I, sorry, I didn't mean think, this quarter. Think, I meant- think original HBO, Rich. Right when you're when you're talking about Apple, it is thirty-five million subs. It isn't a for everybody. To your yeah. point about Apple, always it's been about quote high quality, meaning Emmy Oscar quality, right? The H, like you know, you know it's HBO. Sure. Uh, when you see it sort of situation, which isn't the for everybody out there. Netflix's lowest common denominator. HBO wasn't. And but you have Apple Music more and common subs- denominator. Subscriptions are also, by the way, like Apple Music. There's subscriptions to other things that they're getting effectively paid for. So does that, I mean, if subscriptions are, are having headwinds in this quarter, does Apple feel it as well? Or do they just add their typical 40 million again this quarter? We'll find out tonight. Oh, yes, we will. And we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it in eight days. <laughs> Speaking of lowest common denominator content, Brandon. Um, <laughs> good transition. The Verge. Thank Netflix you. is turning the gray man into a cinematic universe. Well, we've said that what does Netflix need? It needs franchises. Right. So it doesn't have to keep reinventing the wheel every time. I have not seen The Gray Man. I know Mark went to the screening. Mark uh, loved it. Mark, Mark loved, loved it. it. I don't know whether or he said not. the critics were wrong. He said it actually was a fun action summer movie. Okay. Like I don't fun know. and enjoyable. I just don't know whether or not turning it into a cinematic universe is going to be possible. There's obviously a lot of execution there you don't have that marvel team which is <laughs> you know marvel to uh to do it so we'll see um i'm just a little struggling like i feel like as much as you know i'm looking at the netflix grid right now and gray man is number one but I just don't feel like there's like I don't feel like buzz. people are talking. No, yeah, like there's just certainly, not cultural certainly buzz. Not, certainly not here, which isn't necessarily you know representative of That's the whole fair. country or world. Um, but yeah, I haven't heard shit about anybody talking about Gray Man. We got two quick things on Twitter: uh, tech meme, SEC oh, filing, boy. Twitter schedule, shareholder meeting to vote on Musk's for September 13th, and then. Elon Musk asked the judge to schedule a five-day trial beginning October 17th, not October 10th. It just, I think it's yeah, funny that yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. we're just reporting news now. What's the point? No, of this? because it's like Elon is like literally every, at every turn, he's trying to kick the can a little bit further down. When I wanted oh, to talk about the MSG sphere, yeah, I couldn't no do shit. it because it was reporting the news, even though to it's our podcast extremely I'm sure you're relevant that, to their yeah, EBITDA the, profile. To the podcast listeners, I'm sure you're shocked that Elon wants to drag this out to try and get Twitter to, to like shake. I mean, come on. 
but by a week, come on, like it's embarrassing. A Who week cares? This is what lawyers know, do. Just, this is what lawyers do. Yeah, maybe he needs new lawyers. Ooh. Okay, fine. Last slide. Walt. Hopefully, his lawyers aren't our lawyers. Now that you're a Met fan, <laughs> why don't you read the last slide? Or charters lawyers. Think we use Cooley. after losing that seven billion dollars. We, we love Cooley. <laughs> um, okay, so the last uh, tweet is here is from I don't even know who this is. The open doesn't matter. Mike the Ozanian. opening game of two game series between the Yanks and the Mets drew nine hundred and twelve thousand viewers on TBS, <laughs> making it the cable net's best regular season audience in thirteen years. TBS drew one hundred eighty two thousand viewers from the New York market. While well, yes, Drew, 484,000 viewers, 484,000 viewers. I, oh, my God. Too many words. And SNY. There's just a lot the of whole viewers. Point, the the whole point to that is look at the highest rated baseball game, regular season baseball game on that network. It was less than a million people. Because it's baseball. And now we have to we have to deal with insufferable New Yorkers talking about a a subway series world series again which is like the I, perennial thing that always happens around this time of year before one of them collapses oh what do you come think on the, the mets haven't been average? good in so long well that's what well, uh, trust me i've the heard yankees that. haven't been to a world series since or one of what was it oh nine does that stop new york yeah, fans from yeah. talking about a subway world series i mean no, both teams are very good i i don't want to like jinx it but i think the yankees are kind of pedestrian now with their uh with their bullpen struggles. Oh god, now I'm really falling asleep. Who cares? <laughs> I'm with the not 920,000 paltry viewers of saying don't care about but, how good the Yankees but NFL, are. But NFL training camp is now open. Yes it is. I think the yes, Giants opened yesterday. And why are we happy? Because it's Rich's happy birthday. Birthday. You know what happens so next week? Up, the Rich, the start birthday. of the EPL season is next week. And that is Comcastic. Are you happy? <laughs> I think that's episode 117. I can't believe we've done 117 episodes. How many times are we going to say that? I don't know. It's a big number. And there are people who've listened to every minute of each one. Which is crazy. Have a good weekend. Have a good, you know, Thursday reporting, earnings reporting, Friday morning report. No one's weekend. Yeah, see, that's the other problem. Like, I feel like the week's over, but now I've got five fucking companies. I know, it sucks. Have a great week.